0: This show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desk. Check out their latest smart adjustable standing desk at altizen.com, A-L-T-I-Z-E-N.com. Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of business, technology and media in Asia. In this episode, I speak to Michael Cream and Gwendolyn Regina from measurable.com. We discuss why Mashable has shifted their recent strategic focus to video and discuss their footprint across Asia by bringing local content to the global community. Hi Mike and hi Gwen, how are you doing?
1: Hello, how are you?
2: Hi Gweth, thanks for having us.
0: Yes, and today I'm actually in the Hub and I had got this special interview through a former business partner of mine by the name of Gwendolyn Regina who is now the Director of Strategy and Business Development for Asia-Pacific for a portal called Mashable.com. And sitting right beside him is Mike Kriak, the current Chief Operating Officer and Chief Financial Officer from Mashable. This interview didn't come easy, so the first thing I probably have to start off with Mike first before I get to Gwen. What brought you to
1: Singapore? Yeah, well, first and foremost, always uh, great to spend some time with the staff. We've got an amazing team here, certainly on the business development side and strategic side, kind of working with Gwen to kind of work through some of the great conversations she's been having. On the agency side, meeting with agencies and brands directly with our ad director. And then, of course, there's always potential conversations around strategic investment across the board. You know, we've got eight offices globally, including several in the U.S., so I always love being able to operationally be able to kind of meet the teams and spend time with them.
0: Probably be very interesting to just talk a little bit about both your story, a little bit about your background very quickly. I'll start with Gwen first. I know you because we co-founded SGE together. Subsequently, it's acquired by Tech in Asia, and then you take up this very interesting gig with Mashable. What brought you to Mashable then?
2: So Mashable, for me, when I first met Adam Ostro, who is Mashable's chief strategy officer, we started talking, you know, we met on random drinks, and it was very interesting for me because Mashable is such a well-known brand. It's been something I've been following since Pete started it back in 2005. So I was like, wow, this is amazing, right? And because Mashable also is such a mass consumer brand, I really, really wanted to be part of something that had a big story to tell, you know, at the intersection of tech and digital culture, which is something I've always been interested in and so when the opportunity came up, I was like, of course I had to do it.
0: Yeah, and it takes out a lot of your time because I know you have been traveling for the last couple of months going to every part of Asia to expand the footprint on Mashable. So Mike, what about you then, how do you get started and how do you eventually come to your current role in Mashable?
1: Yeah, so I've uh, always kind of worked with digital startups, I started my career at Arthur Anderson on the audit side, uh, kind of in internet 1.0, so kind of in from 96 to 2000 I was up in Boston, auditing and checking out internet companies. Of course I wanted to start one and join one myself, so in 2000 I moved to New York, and joined a content marketing company where I kind of took uh, privately in terms of what it was like to raise capital for them, did some acquisitions, and then eventually sold that company uh, to a, a public company. Uh, then I joined a, a more traditional media company called Haymarket, which is one of Britain's largest private media companies with a huge international footprint even here as well in Southeast Asia. When I had the opportunity three years ago to join Mashable, it was really the perfect marriage of a lot of the digital startup component as well as a very large media brand. Uh, My remit, probably why I've got a CFO and COO, was the ability to raise capital. So in the past three years, we've raised three rounds of capital each year. And then once you raise money, of course, you've got to be able to execute. A little bit later on, we can talk about our partnership with Turner and Time Warner, which led our Series C round. That really kind of extends into our remit and mission.
0: And, of course, I wanted to introduce Mashable.com since we've been talking about the portal. Yes, everyone, it is the same Mashable.com that I actually go to read every time. They have tons of interesting news, etc. And I think I started following in the early days where Pete Cashmore was writing it as a blog, actually. started off from very humble origins and eventually became a big media portal. But maybe to start off, help my audience across the globe. What is the vision and mission of Mashable?
1: Absolutely. So Mashable tells stories about the intersection of technology and culture. If you think kind of how music was the center of culture in the 80s and how MTV really kind of acted as that gateway to not only understand about music, but also brands like Pepsi and and working with Michael Jackson really wanted to be a part of what music was in the 80s and uh, early 90s. For us today, digital is that focus. Not only how we represent ourselves uh, across social media, but the fact is is that digital touches every component of our lives. And that's where the the culture aspect comes in. Working with a a media company that really understands kind of the marriage of art and science, and and what I mean by that is, running a media company is difficult. Creating content is challenging, is expensive. Particularly when your remit or your voice is digital culture and internet culture. So we've developed proprietary technology called Velocity. We can spend some time talking about that in, in detail, but it really helps our editorial team utilize data and listen to what the social web is saying is important on any particular given day. This is some real heady stuff, some data scientists, artificial intelligence individuals, that if we tell you know, 200 stories or so a day, how do we make sure that we find those digital needles in the haystack that is digital culture. It's a very tall remit, particularly one that's global, and being able to tell those stories that would resonate globally, 50% of our traffic has always reached international. Overall, we've got about 45 million uniques on-site globally, roughly around 30 million social followers. But then there's the extension beyond that from an all-platform approach, whether that's Snapchat Discover, uh, or Facebook Instant Article, or Facebook Live. I think we're kind of experiencing globally the reality that audiences want to consume content, whether they're short-form video or text-based, across all platforms. So that means you've got to be really great storytellers across something like Snapchat all the way up to Linear uh, in terms of our partnership with with Turner. Um, And again, making sure that you're smart and using data to tell those types of stories, that's really the value proposition that Mashable brings.
0: That's interesting because while going through your site, I wanted to ask you, how does Mashable actually extend this mission of the content through the proprietary technology? You mentioned Velocity with its brand partners, editorial team as one of the world's leading digital publishers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The value proposition that we bring to our audiences to ensure that they're receiving kind of what's new now consistently, anytime you go to Mashable or across our social channels, that value proposition is the same one we bring to brands. At the end of the day, it really focuses on telling stories. And if you're telling quality stories, or how do you tell the best stories? And brands want to be a part of that. I think there's the, the reality that engagement is key across all platforms. And so Velocity is really categorizes and indexes all of the verticals that we cover, whether it's business or technology or entertainment or lifestyle or watercolor, which is kind of the internet-y kind of fun content. But if you remit as an editor is to kind of write those stories, and you only have so many that you can write a day, Understanding that science and understanding the technology can be used as a way to augment or to supplement that in, in a significant way. It really comes down to great storytellers, and that's ultimately what we bring to our brand partners as well.
2: And to add on to that, what's amazing about Velocity is that we're multi language, so we can crawl many Asian languages as well, so that's been a huge boon to our team here.
0: What languages, usually?
2: So some Japanese, Korean, Malay, Indonesian. So these are all still languages that we've started covering and we're going to start covering more.
0: I thought it would be an interesting question to just ask both of you about how Mashable actually create this premium content for a very digital generation. Because whether you're in the US, Asia, we're talking now about mo- the mobile phone as, as one of the prerequisites, how do you actually create those content and usually what kind of interesting content that you can actually do to actually get their, pick their interest because nowadays people talk about you know stories on Snapchat, Instagram pictures. Go on, go. It's
2: interesting you mentioned Snapchat because I've been using Snapchat personally for the last few years and at that time everyone was like, why are you using Snapchat? Why are you sending, right? And you know, not everyone's on Snapchat and so it's amazing how internally and matchable big, we are big users of Snapchat. For example, we're one of the sixteen seventeen partners of Snapchat Discover. So one of the few publishers was selected globally to publish articles, animations, rather. And so we have a team, you know, internally of people dedicated just to Snapchat. So we're very, very socially driven. We understand how that we need to really distribute our content and go to where our audience live online.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a really great point. I mean, the fact is you know our audience uh, is millennial and younger right so kind of the majority 67 percent millennial and younger and so it's by and for millennials and so you want to be able to do that you know i use facebook live personally myself and we want and and it really kind of goes back to kind of pete's remit which is when something like meerkat or periscope comes out in a live component you have to be adaptive and, and responsive because all of a sudden then it's like how are you going to use this platform? Well, I don't know. Sometimes it gets a little messy. Sometimes you try it. Something works, something doesn't. But you have to be able to apply a resource to those emerging platforms because that's ultimately where your audience is. You know, you're not going to continue to win the day if you try to keep a walled garden approach. This is what we call an all-platform approach so that Velocity also helps tell the best stories for those particular verticals. So, does this story or would this story perform better on Facebook mobile than on Twitter? Why? And what type of audience is there? And what type of what type of content do they like? So, it's that technology that really sits at the core of our value proposition.
0: It's interesting that you mentioned this and I thought maybe it might be just a follow-up question to think about the Asian context where the Asian messaging apps such as Kakao Talk line and WeChat are actually very dominant. I think even in Vietnam there's something called the Zello mm-hmm. which is the equivalent of a messaging app. So what I'm going to be asking is does it mean that even with, with those platforms you're going to experiment your content to distribute to them there?
2: Oh for sure, you know, I've been working in the Asian region for such a long time and I use a lot of these Asian messaging apps And so we're already online, for example, and we're also already on Viber. So these are platforms that, you know, we believe in, we know that they have huge audiences, you know, and we're really pushing out content through these platforms. We also have a Youku channel in China, and we're also exploring, you know, other platforms, for example, WeChat, for sure, and a few others as Mm. well.
0: I think there was another part of the question that we haven't really talked about. Are there any, like, interesting stories that you have gone through with these platforms and that you can push and some of the categories that you all think was pretty interesting for Asian audience as well? Yeah,
1: I think there's a couple. You know, Snapchat for me comes to mind and when you can hop in. Like one of some of our uh, most interesting successes kind of surround themed editions. So, when um, there was the 30th anniversary of Super Mario Brothers kind of mm-hmm. announcing. It was a huge component where we kind of saw spikes of kind of a little over two and a half X what their normal audience would be. It resonates while gaming is obviously, is very big, but you know, that's not something that you never know until you try it, right? So our Discover team thought it would be really fun, to do things like that for Star Wars day and, and a host of others. But then the step further is, well, how do you make kind of 13 pieces of unique content for the day that are fun and interesting? And so that's again we're utilizing data to inform that content creation process but it really comes down to the amazing animators that we have through Mashable Studios headed up by Eric Korsh mm-hmm. and having those particular individuals understanding the types of stories to tell uh, we hit upon that early success on uh, snapchat so
2: interestingly in the Asia region the kind of so stories that have worked, you know, a lot of it are also globally themed. you know, we're talking about social media, technology in general, products, but what's also interesting is that we've seen how a few topics in terms of, for example, LGBT, you know, it's, a, it's an increasing trend in this part of the world, and like when we're talking about Asian cultures, you know, traditionally we've been a bit more reserved, it's much prevalent, right, it's a bit kind of subculture, under-culture. But you know our team, our editorial team, you know they've done a few, quite a few articles regarding this team across you know laws, parades in Singapore, and Japan, and stuff like that. And these content have done amazing well. But for us, it goes to show how for us at Smashable, we really cover what's going on, you know, culturally in various countries, right? And we then see trends emerging from the Asian region, which for us as a um, primarily American I don't know well, headquarter in the US, right? It's very interesting looking at how the topics also begin to merge.
1: Yeah, uh, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting, I think that's a really great point. We did an amazing story of the face of transgender teens mm-hmm. in America, and so the conversation still evolves in, in the US as well. For us, the stories about, you ask the question, well, if it's the intersection of internet and technology, why do you go through some of those stories? Well, they're meant, to inform, inspire, and entertain. And that inspiration, particularly for a millennial audience and younger, those topics, those social topics, are ones that are very important. They're certainly ones that are discussed at length online. And by extension, that's why we feel it's very important. You know, Mashable's tone is one that's very positive and inclusive and very aspirational, there's certainly enough online and there are certainly organizations that when you cover digital culture or internet culture, can be snarky, right? And there's a place for that and fine, you go through that, but Mashable's tone-of-voice is one that is, is very tight that way.
0: So this is probably a, a question also pertaining to Asia itself, given that there is so many languages, so many different cultures, and I think for example for a category like LGBT content you push it up. Is there a thing about cultural nuances and how the content is presented by telling the storytelling? I think one thing that Mashable has been very successful is the way how it tells the story. Do you all factor into this kind of cultural
1: nuances? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's part of the reason why Glenn and our, our team here and our editorial team, you absolutely need to have individuals locally to be able to understand that you know things do not a lot of things do transfer quite well right I mean I think very early on Mashable was able to grow with 50% of its traffic internationally but again I think when you're very positive and inclusive that naturally lends itself to kind of the greater humanity one of the things that we do very well is the social goods summit which is we partnered with the UN foundation at a a couple of days before the General Assembly in New York, where we convene together many different cultures and many different stories in a Ted-like fashion that shows how stories about technology is a force for good. I think that's one of the ways in understanding that we translate that into eight different languages, and the opportunity for that to trend number one on Twitter in those particular days, you know, speaks to the importance of local culture as well as local language.
0: Recently, I've been following what's going on in the US and I think Mashable has recently shifted its major focus towards video. What is the line of thinking behind the video strategy?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think video has has always been a strong component for us. I think what you see is a lot of folks are creating video. And so you have to be very particular about premium content. You have to make sure that the content is one that resonates with our audience You know, we've spent a lot of time growing and amassing those 45 million uniques and 30 million social followers. They're interested in internet culture, and we want to be able to tell stories about internet culture, whether that's text-based or video-based. I think predominantly that short-form video component, you've got to make sure that it's exactly the right voice. And so, when you've got Eric Korsh, who heads up Mashable Studios and heads up all of our video initiatives, You bring together somebody and a team globally of around uh, 65 individuals to be able to tell those stories in that voice and in that format. That's really, really important. Video is tough to do. And so you've got to make sure that you've got the right team in place and the right investment in place. You know, no organization has unlimited resource and particularly I think it's part of the reason why, in terms of the investment that Turner had made in us for our Series C, they have obviously have a huge expert expertise in video. But ultimately, our goal is to utilize Velocity to tell those stories in repeatable formats on the short-form video side, so that that becomes the predominant means of the ways in which our our audience can kind of connect mm-hmm. with us. And what's I,
2: interesting is also that, for example, we have Vietnam and Southeast Asia is constantly all the countries that consume video the most so you know we talk about asia like context you know videos obviously very interesting and again we bring back to our topic earlier social media platforms you know again we have philippines indonesia constantly the two most top countries in the world always on social media so it's a natural fit for mashable here
1: yeah and i think you know obviously text-based articles and text-based storytelling is always going to be important i mean it's it's both, right? There's not, they're not mutually... You, know, you, you can do one or the other. It, 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 or, so you can do both. It's not a question of saying moving towards video or only investing in video. We'll continue to invest, and we have, in terms of really premium journalism, you know, investigative conversations. Greg Gittrich, who's our chief content officer, comes from that background from NBC and Invocative prior. So he understands really good storytelling, and the format is important because that's where our audience is, but it's also going to be something that it has to be all of them. It has to be text-based, it has to be image-based, and it has to be video-based. Mm.
0: And I think Gwen is spot on that. In fact, I think you and I usually take the subways and we, in Asia, and usually everybody's holding a phone in an upright position with the video going on. Yeah, now more on vertical their. video as well. And <laughs> <laughs> vertical video is going to be something that everybody's going to do. Yeah. I, I thought since, Mike, you, you're all the way here in Asia, so I wanted to sort of get your thinking behind why Mashable decided
1: to expand your footprint into Asia.
2: Yeah, Mike, why?
1: Because <laughs> we love people like Gwen and we want, we want more people like Gwen. Yeah, I think, you know, what's, what's really interesting is there's two components to this, right? One, uh, we had some very early success, right? Our English language articles resonated well consistently in Southeast Asia. And we knew that there was enough of a footprint that that, that, that voice resonated well. And of course, naturally, you would want to grow that. The premise of Mashable, when you go to Mashable Asia, yes, it's stories that are written here as well, but it's it's also stories that are written around the globe. In fact, Velocity powers the articles that you see. So Velocity predicts which of the Mashable articles have the greatest tendency based upon the ISP. You type in Mashable.com, you see Mashable Asia. You go to the UK or London and it's the UK, right? But those stories are some amalgam or some different. It doesn't really matter where the stories are written. So our teams here are really designed, yes, certainly to kind of understand that that local reality, but any of those stories can resonate globally, and we want that. We want stories that are written here, to effect in the U.S. and we want the stories in the U.S. to resonate here.
0: Wow, oh, that's a very interesting. So you're actually thinking even localized content can be global? It absolutely and can.
2: For sure, for sure. Yeah, oh, please go ahead. The thing is that, you know, for some, some a publication like us for Mashable, we're a global media company. So when we tell local stories, there's always this global element to that. We want it to be accessible and readable by a global audience. Nobody likes broad.
1: Right? People want specific. Mm -hmm. They want specific that resonates with them and there are certain ways that you tell stories that resonate. Right? Sometimes they're very emotive. Sometimes it's access. Sometimes it's uh, the latest gadgets or it's the way that that you tell the story. Mm -hmm. And so we really want our editorial teams to tell those stories. They know their markets. But we also work with them to make sure, utilizing velocity to do that, to kind of hone that storytelling that has the greatest tendency to go viral globally.
2: And when we think about this storytelling done on a global scale, there's a lot of things as human beings that resonate with all human beings. And so these are just elements of great storytelling that our editorial team constantly does.
1: Yeah, and we want stories that are local here to be able to resonate. Then we bring those stories globally. And that that provides greater access and greater communication and connectivity, which is really ultimately our goal as a media company.
0: I see. So it's not scattershot, but actually really zoom into content that actually can be distributed globally, even from a localized perspective.
1: Yeah. I mean, we always have instances of stories that end up trending globally. And that's really wonderful when you see that mix without that album and every time you click on it and you see Victoria, one of her stories, or one of our, our local editors here. So it's really wonderful to see that and it proves out the value proposition that is, uh, is Mashable.
0: I have to throw this question to Gwen. What's the current footprint of Mashable in Asia? I mean, where are the countries that you have already started covering?
1: Yeah.
2: So, editorially, our team, we write about stories across the entire Asia region. So be it somewhere in Singapore, Philippines, Thailand, China, anywhere where there's an interesting, relevant story for audience, our editorial team will cover it. So, from the footprint side, that's more interesting, because in terms of partnerships, rather. So we have a partnership with one of the largest media companies in Thailand, Monoroo. So we already have some of our articles in Thai because we believe that to be truly global, you have to reach local audiences in their local language. You know, so that's just one kind of our first Asian language that we re- started and we're looking to do more.
0: So, it's a very interesting conversation to have both Mike and Gwen uh, here to actually talk to us about Mashable and its footprint in Asia. But of course, like all my my audience always want to find out this ultimate question. How do my audience find you both and Mashable?
1: Of course, Mashable.com and download our app, Mashable. Uh, And obviously follow us at Mashable across any single uh, platform, whether it's uh, on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Uh, For myself personally, uh, on Twitter... Uh, it's at M Kriak, Likewise, the same for Instagram or Snapchat, which I would, you know, you can see some amazing things that I've been uh, doing while I've been up to here. I'm a big fan.
2: For myself, first I'm going to talk about Mashable Asia, so you can also find us at Mashable Asia on Facebook, Twitter, and other platforms. And personally, i met at Vigina basically everywhere. So G W E N D O L Y N.
0: R-E-G-I-N-A I I know it's really long so thank you for listening to that You can find me at bernardleong.com or at C W or subscribe to us at Analyze Asia A-N-A-L-Y-S-E Asia You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, a and now Google Play but limited to the US jurisdiction and of course please tweet and give us a rating or even upvote us in Product Hunt and once again Mike and Gwen thank you very much for coming on the show
1: Thanks so much
2: Thank you Bernard